Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Build It, the latest episode from the DeKalb County United podcast with me and, as ever, John Hall. Hi, John. Hello, Nick. So this week, we thought we'd change it up a little bit. Joining us all the way from northernmost regions of Wisconsin, a young man by the name of Josh Radden. Yeah, and um, happy to be here, guys. Happy to be on the pod. Thanks for inviting me. No worries. Thank you very much for coming. So um, Josh is looking to create a soccer club way up in Eau Claire. Um, and we thought it'd be interesting for him to have a conversation, mainly with John, I'm going to be very little use here, that we record so that people who are before the creation of their site, their club have you know a little bit of resource and the questions that hopefully John can answer a few of them. Um, but Josh, to start things off, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your soccer history and how you ended up in Eau Claire? Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm uh, 27 years old. Uh, born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so uh, southeastern part of the state, uh, biggest city in the state, of course. Um, I moved up to Eau Claire about a, closer to two years ago when I was 25, and um, so slowly just got more uh, enveloped into the soccer community here. But uh, going back to Milwaukee, I uh, first started playing in K5 and then uh, played through about my freshman year of high school left the game for a little bit, focused on high school, focused on working. And then um, after high school, I got uh, back into the game as a recreational player. Uh, my friends were really on board with wanting to play uh, in the recreational leagues. So I um, took that as an opportunity to teach them the game and to uh, talk about the game that I love. And then, like I said, I left Milwaukee, came up here and got involved in the rec leagues up here uh got involved as a coach as well and from there uh decided to um with a group of guys decided to start this uh bateau fc amateur club that we have going on here how are we pronouncing it bateau yeah bateau so uh it, it's you know two syllables it, it, it's uh french for uh boats in well in france um <laughs> but uh, but um um the word itself, uh, we kind of derive from the city's history of um, the timber and logging industries that was the economic backbone. When Eau Claire, when Menominee and Chippewa Falls all kind of came about, logging was the main enterprise. Oh, all right, sweet. Okay, so what's the soccer culture in Bateau right now, would you say? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, we are really starting to develop what what the culture looks like here in Eau Claire. Um, from a youth perspective, we have Eau Claire United as a, a youth club that's based in the city. Um, so we do have opportunities for the kids at younger levels up through uh, U18. Um, there's also Chippewa Strikers just to the north in Chippewa Falls. And then um, uh, the Eau Claire Memorial is uh, one of the high schools in the area and they have a top 10 program in the state. Now they're not playing this fall due to COVID, whereas a lot of other schools in their conference are playing. Um, that said, they routinely go to state and we are lucky to have uh, some of those players turn out for our team in the summer as well. Um, for the rest of us, the, the old guys, as you could say, um, we just wanted to get together and uh, play the game and we're developing a culture that um, places uh, accountability on everybody. So like showing up to practice is obviously very important to be selected for the weekend. 
Um, we're developing systems to have a couple different practices a week so that people don't miss out on a practice if they have to work. Um, I guess um, all that's to say it's a very, very beginning stages right now. We're still kind of figuring it out, but uh, we have aspirations to be, as you guys say about the Cal, a professional looking group while not being a professional club. Cool. Okay. So as of yet, you haven't really played any competitive games or is that, are you still, oh, no, are you no, still no, a we, club on we, paper or do you, do you exist? We, we do exist. We have a team. Um, and we have played professional match or not professional <laughs> matches, uh, actual matches. Yeah. Um, we have played in the Wisconsin primary amateur soccer league for the past two seasons, including this year, which was just a very strange experience for everybody. Um, but, uh, we did happen to win the Wapasso this year. Uh, normally we'd have, we'd have, thank you. Yeah. Big achievement. We're happy. Um, last year we finished top of the table in the regular season, but lost out in the final in the playoffs. And then this year, because of COVID, we decided to scrap playoffs and just have a single table format, 10 matches, most points at the end wins. Uh, we finished clear by one point over, uh, Lobos out of Merrill, which is around Wausau, if you guys know where Wausau is. Um, but yeah, uh, we have played actual matches. We do have an actual team, but we're still getting it off the ground, so to speak. All right, cool. So, and this, I guess this is where we start handing over to you and John, but what is it, why, do you, why are you looking to grow out of that regional league into something, or local league into something more regional? Yeah, I mean, we're we're hoping to continue to give kids in, in the area an opportunity to play the game at a competitive level. Uh, Eau Claire is overlooked as a community in most cases, especially when it comes to sport. You know, we have kids that have, um, or I don't, I don't want to say kids exclusively, but we do have with, with people here in Eau Claire who have gone on to play in the professional game. Uh, but it's very sporadic. You know, we have uh, Patrick McLean who comes from Eau Claire. Uh, well before my time here, but he graduated from Memorial and then made his way to Minnesota and then eventually to California. He played for Chivas USA when they were a club. Uh, he played for LA Galaxy, Minnesota United, and I think Chicago Fire for a couple matches. Um, but he's from Eau Claire. And then we've had a, uh, there's a, a guy right now in the Timbers 2 Academy who comes from Eau Claire as well. Mm -hmm. So we have um, we have aspirations to give players in our community, whether they are in that U18 or right around that high school age or even older, whether they're 21, 22, uh, or even older than that, to give them a platform to play the game and to grow in the game and possibly take that to the next level. Sure. Okay, so like a pipeline almost. Yeah, more or less, yeah. more or less. All right, sweet. I am now going to open the floor to you to ask John Hall as many questions as you want. Um, as I said to you previously, no, there are no questions that are too stupid to not be edited out. So the floor is yours, my friend. I, I, need, to, I need to interrupt and let you know that I am no expert at this. So <laughs> good luck, Josh. There's certainly some things that we can, uh, we can share and talk through together that, um, you know, I always like to just, I, for other people, I always like to ask the question, like the tough devil's advocate type questions to really make you drill down into your thought process and and because it makes you more rigid for all your sales meetings with sponsors and stuff so fire away when ready 
Right on. Um, well, I, I do want to say that Nick really gave you a proper billing then, you know, as the expert here. So <laughs> well, totally. I said, there is no well, question that John cannot answer. And if he gets it wrong, then you're allowed to sue him. Was basically what I <laughs> All right. Very good. I, I've got my well, lawyer on a, uh, on speed dial. So okay. we'll go from there. Um, but, uh, I guess most of my early questions are just going to be revolving around financials. That's obviously the big part in all this. You need to have money if you want to be able to grow a club, if you want to grow a community around the club, uh, there needs to be that working process. So for starters, when it comes to sponsors and, and, and get, getting sponsors on board, how exactly can you, how, do, how exactly does one person do that? If say, you know, with soccer, the big sponsor opportunity is that front of the shirt placement or even on the sleeve of the shirt, like something where the logo is going to be seen. How do you get a sponsor on board? What do you say to them or promise them even to get them giving money to you? Well, that's, that's a, that's a perfect first question because um, I, I know we've tried some things and we've tried things that worked. We tried things that haven't worked and uh, actually I have a chat tomorrow with, with a couple others in our club to, kind of go through that exact thing as we finalize, you know, plans for 21. I think um, a couple of things that always jump out at me after doing this for a couple of years is don't over, I don't like to over promise. So being on the front of the Jersey is clearly a cool thing. And if you guys get some decent press in the newspaper and stuff, that Jersey is, you know, going to be prominent if you've got the paper covering your home matches or whatever. Um, obviously your own social media will always handle and you do a lot of your own social stuff too. So you're always going to, you're going to have that Jersey on, um, you know, on every shot when you can. So my, that's, if I was, if I was writing you a check, I'd go, well, that's, that's cool. I'm on the front of the shirt. And if there's soccer background, then there's more pride in that. But if it's strictly a business owner, that's, struggling right now probably um i think something that that nick and i've talked about is maybe depending on how much money you actually need maybe they even look at it from a different approach and say what's the biggest nonprofit or community organization in town is there a united way branch is there a chamber of commerce is there a something like that where um, I, yes, I always want to collect the money to help pay for the operations, but when you're just scratching the surface at getting community awareness, um, Nick brought this up, I, this, this idea up to me and said, what if we put a nonprofit on the front of the Jersey? And it was more of a marketing agreement. You guys have to help us promote this. We're putting you on here for free. You have to help us bring fans. You have to help us be part of the club marketing mission, you know, um, that's another, another way to go about it. I think figuring out what the value, what's the front of your shirt worth, if you're going to sell it, I, I really think you got to just test your market. If you have somebody that you feel really, really has interest in it, then ask, ask for kind of a lot of money. Um, we, I know a lot of clubs, I think we even did at one point in our history, is we 
posted, hey, we're looking for jersey sponsors. If you're interested in being on the front of the shirt, give us a call. Well, I got a, I got a bunch of emails, and I said, I, I handled it wrong, and I go, well, I think it's worth this, which was a lot, and why don't you tell me what you give me for it? <laughs> I, almost, I almost tried to auction it. Well, hmm. nobody wants to be in an auction. You know what I mean? Nobody wants right, to. Right. Nobody wants to play that game. So, um, I think you just. Uh, for, number one, I think it's it's most important that if you want somebody on the front of your shirt, get somebody on the front of your shirt. Don't don't say, "Hey, I need a hundred thousand dollars for this." Just like us, we're we're a soccer club. We're not the Chicago Bears or the Green Bay Packers or. We're, we're a local soccer, like, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not worth a hundred thousand dollars or something crazy like that. Um, so be realistic with it. It's more important, especially in the early stages, I think to find a true partner that is actually going to help you spread the, spread the good word of your mission. Uh, I think that's equally as important as the money. Um, and maybe that, you brought it up, sleeve sponsors, other things. Maybe you, maybe you can sell the front of the jersey and then you can find those other service organizations and say, listen, I want to put you on the sleeve of our jersey at no cost to you, but here's what I need from you in terms of um, marketing. You know, we'll, we'll give you 20 tickets to every home game, but I need you to show up and use them. I need you, you know, like bring, bring people to the event, to the game, things like that. Um, but I think there's different ways to kind of tweak and play and, and be very creative in how you, uh, how you value some of those things. You want me to keep talking or do you want to ask me another question? Cause I could keep oh, going. No. <laughs> I mean, if, if you want, by all means, I, I think there's a lot to unpack from, from that answer. Um, <laughs> the, um, the charity, the nonprofit organization uh, approach is definitely something we've talked about within our club. Um, I think I was the one who probably brought it up. It's gotten decent feedback. You know, obviously, like we've touched on, the the goal is to make some money uh, to be able to fund operations to get us playing next year, and but mostly to keep us sticking around after 2021, after 2022. Um, that said, I think partnering with a nonprofit or you mentioned the Chamber of Commerce, that's a great idea that I hadn't even thought of. Um, not to say that I think of all the good ideas because I don't. Um, that's why we have these talks though, because we, we actually didn't, we, at, in the early days, we didn't think there was value in joining Chamber of Commerce in our community. We, we had one, um, one person sitting at the table that said, I think it's a really good idea and I would even pay for it, which made the decision easy because we, we pay a small annual fee. We actually are members of three chamber of, chambers of commerces in our area. So those are great marketing opportunities when you can do a uh, ribbon cutting ceremony and have many of the kind of community business owners and things that are also members come get to know you get to know your club get to know your mission um those can be really cool little events that you can have and i think once we get through covid or at least to a point where we can gather in small groups or whatever to be able to 
find excuses to bring people together like that. I mean, that's ultimately what soccer is all about, right? Is bringing people to a field or to an event or whatever. So those are great opportunities if you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, with the Chippewa Valley, uh, we have the Chamber of Commerce here in Eau Claire. There's a chamber in Chippewa Falls, and then there's a chamber in Menominee as well. Um, Now, Menominee is about half an hour west of here. Kind of an outlier, but still uh, included somewhat. Chippewa Falls is straight shot up 53, so very, very close. Um, So, yeah, those are that's a really good idea. Definitely something I'm going to have to float to the guys and, and see what, what they make of it. Um, now you touch on it again, uh, events, having people come out to matches or having people come out to whatever your club wants to host. Um, yeah, we can't really do that right now, but that's a really important way to build brand awareness and just overall awareness of like what we're doing. Um, so in place of that, what kind of suggestions would you have in order to still keep building awareness, but not having people congregate in one place? Well, I think that's the, the uh, huge question for every business, sports clubs and, you know, every business is trying to figure that out right now. Right. Um, right. I think, I think we've done some of the things I, I don't, I, this is an avenue. I don't, I don't think anybody's got the right answer on. We have we did the virtual COVID match in uh, about June, I believe. Yeah, what was um, that all about? Well, we we borrowed it from Forward Madison, and we sold tickets to a virtual match, and um, made a nice donation. I don't remember who we donated money to that time. Um, but when we do these events, we did a virtual 5K, raise money, and we donated proceeds to. Um, a local, the Voluntary Action Center here in town. So um, we're trying to do virtual events because that seems to be the kind of the niche, the way people have to go right now, keep people apart, but yet virtually bring them together. Um, so then the proceeds of those events went to a charity or a nonprofit? Yeah. Well, we, both of those, we split um, the club cap half and then we donated half to to the charity or, or the nonprofit. Um, so we tried to, we, everything we do, we always give back at least half um, because we want to be good partners in the community to help. I mean, at the end of the day, the community pays for this whole project through sponsors or ticket sales or whatever. So we feel that everything we're doing, we need to give back to the community and make it very cyclical in, in the way that we manage the resources and the money because the only money we need is the money to sustain. We don't, you know, we're not, we're not playing with a million dollars a year or anything big like that. We need to cover our costs. We need to be able to put a team on the field. We need to pay for referees. We need to rent fields. And if we have enough money to do that and have a little set aside for in case a pandemic rolls along in your third year, then that's all we need. We don't need you know, we're, we're not in this collecting money and paying big salaries or anything. And, and I know you guys aren't either. And hundreds of other clubs in the country are doing it similarly where it's passion driven, community focused and those things. But uh, we feel it's it's very good to always give, you know, in, in our case, we always give 50 percent back to something else, if not more. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
which is kind of a, a, a mindset that I subscribe to personally. I, I feel some guys within within the club probably do uh, do so as well. Um, but keeping money within the community is so important. That's why I work at a food cooperative. It's why I shop local, uh, whether it's the local cafe or the local uh, home goods store. Instead of going to like some big conglomerate store, I'm keeping money in the community because it's more likely than that that money that I spend there will stay in the community versus being pumped out elsewhere. Um, so, so the same principle applies to, to what we're doing here. Like we're, we're teaming up with community members, whether it's organizations or individual people, and they're spending money on stuff that we are putting out, but then we're putting that money back into the community in some way, shape and form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no reason for you to collect money from the community and let it sit in your bank account, your, your right. club's bank account. That's that's irresponsible. And that Nick always says that too. Like we are just, um, what's the term, Nick? We are just um, taking care of the caretakers. Are we the caretakers of this club? The custodians of the club, Yeah. right? This isn't our club. We are the custodians of it. And it's our job to take care of it for now until someone else takes care of it or until the community dictates otherwise. So um, yeah, we, we keep enough, we try to keep enough in reserves to ensure we're here next year. And then we try to have that 12 to 18 month vision of what we need to collect when we can, I know we, we fundraise a couple of different ways. It, it's um, ticket sales, sponsors, merchandise, and soccer related events. Like we do futsal tournament. We do, uh, we did street soccer. We do other camps. We try to do those throughout the year, different things like that, that we can generate a little bit of money, but we're fulfilling our mission of, you know, we don't have youth clubs we, or youth teams within the club. We have, we have the first team, the men's first team, a men's under 23 and a women's under 23. Um, so all the youth partners that we have, uh, we want to engage their players to come to our camps or, to, and it's not always big, thousand dollar summer camps it could be a twenty dollar come for two hours we're going to do goalkeeper training tonight where it's low cost um it doesn't take up a lot of anybody's time but we're able to connect with a whole different audience you know um so those are the ways we kind of we could in a, again in normal times right when when if we got a little short on cash we could host a couple of camps and you know in relatively short amount of time and make a couple of dollars to get through whatever or to raise money for whatever. Um, but I think that's where you just have, you gotta, you gotta look at your income stream and you gotta, you gotta first start with your expenses, which I'm sure you guys have already done. Um, what, what does that look like? How much money do we have? How much money are we going to raise? Are we going to, are we going to charge players a small fee to be a part of this? Are we not? Um, I mean, some of those things that I think you just have to think through and at the end of the day, stick to your, stick to your mission and, and trust your, you know, this is how we're going to do it and we're going to press on. And if you need to adjust it down the road, you adjust it, but you got to find a way then to figure out what your expenses are and figure out how to close the gap with some, some leeway there, right? You don't want to be, you don't want to be running, uh, running through 2021 and then realize at the end of the year that you're short $13,000 and then you and the rest of your leadership group are looking around the table going, 
well, I never signed up to pay any of that extra money. You know, you gotta, you gotta be, uh, right. Right. Gotta be very, very transparent with what you're doing and how you're spending your money. I just got a very quick question. Yeah. How many people are actually involved at the top end with you? Um, it's something that John and I discuss and something that's come up time and time again with the people that we've spoken to is like the more people you have at the decision-making level to driving the project, the better. Um, and I'm just curious as to whether or not you are driving the ship alone, whether you've got five buddies with you or what. Uh, well, you actually just nailed it. It's myself and five, five other guys. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, this is something that started with two people uh, last year. And then after that season was over, they decided that they wanted to get more people involved in the project. And that's when I came on board. Okay. Definitely a great question. I think it, um, that takes me into probably the, my next question, which is, uh, and uh, what I wanted to say was, yes, it's myself, five other guys who um, do various roles within the club here to, to keep us moving forward. Um, but you've said on your podcasts in the past about how you need to, or in, in getting the community engaged, if people want to be a part of it, you can't just say, all right, yeah, drop us your email and we'll get back to you on what you can do. It's more, so you have to tell them what they can do right then and there in order to keep them on board. How, how does one go about that really? So, so we just, we just actually went through this. Um, I connected, uh, this is in the last two months. We, I connected with a, a, a gentleman, his daughter was actually going to play on our under 23 women's team. Um, First time I met him was at our women's tryouts this past, well, I think it was December. I think it was like New Year's. Um, and that was the first time I met him. It turns out he only lives about a half a mile from me. And as Nick will laugh, because it seems like I live a half a mile from everybody. But um, so his name's Ron, and um, he's an Arsenal supporter. You know, he's big into oh, the game. It is, but that's another whole conversation. <laughs> um, so... You know, some time went on and, and we've always talked about like finding fresh people to come in to provide different ideas and to provide checks and balances for us and to, you know, introduce us to new connections and new partners and new just overall awareness, right? If everybody in the community was part of the club's leadership, then everybody in the community would be at every game. So why not grow and manage a bigger volunteer group and just let it, let it develop. So Ron, um, Ron was on, I've got a list in my phone of about 25 people in the community that, you know, at any given time, I may pick up the phone and call them and say, Hey, why don't you, why don't you think about getting involved with our club, you know, in some capacity? Well, Ron was one that just on a Saturday, I called him and I said, Hey, what do you think? I'd like to pick your brain. Um, I don't know you. We're not friends but I think you'd bring something to the table. And he goes, well, I don't have to think about it. When is the, when's the meeting? And I said, well, giddy up. So we had, um, we had him first come to our advisory board meeting, which we do virtually. Um, the advisory board for our club is the day-to-day -day operations, the initiatives that you see online and all that stuff. That all comes from the advisory board. And that's a group of really great volunteers. Um, there's some board of directors like myself that are on kind of do that as well. Um, so we had him come to the advisory board meeting. He listened in, he engaged 
engaged right away with some ideas for some sponsorship stuff and things. And then um, I also invited him to our next board of directors meeting, which we only do quarterly. And I, I let him kind of figure out like the board, the big board is sort of our, um, you know, okay, those, that's the bosses, right? Like they make sure that we stay on track and that the mission is being uh, fulfilled and that, that we're, you know, driving down the right road. But um, the advisory board is more day-to-day -day interactive and driving the car. So um, Ron, I let him attend the both meetings and then I followed up and I said, what do you think? Where do you, you know, do you have time to be involved actively? Would you rather be involved more passively at the board of directors level? I think you add value either way. And he goes, I want to do both. So um, he's kind of, we rolled him into our uh, communications app that we use. And um, so he's, he's kind of engaged with all the conversations and stuff now. And then at our next board meeting, we'll quote unquote, uh, appoint him to the board. And, uh, you know, I look forward to continuing to, he's actually one of the guys I'm meeting with tomorrow to talk about sponsorship stuff. I'm going to, I'm getting him engaged right away on it. And as Nick always tells me, then let him run with it. You know, let, then I just try to be supportive and stuff. But, um, but I think that's what you have to do. You got to figure out what your structure is, what your, and I, you guys, I mean, at least it sounds like you've got, you're on the right track to having some organization where you have regular meetings and you have um, people in specific roles where when somebody wants to come in, it's very much what's your skill set, what interests you. Well, I want to help on game days. Easy. Let me put you over here in the game day group. Or I want to, I'm pretty good with graphics. Hey, 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 you're over here with, right? You handle your own, right, Josh? You do all uh, yeah. stuff for the most part. Um, yeah. Uh, every now and again, I'll, I'll do the actual graphic work. Uh, but we've got um. So his name's Ethan. He works with uh, 10K pitches as well. Okay. But um, he lives here in Eau Claire now, and he's been working with us to produce some pretty cool graphics uh, over the last month or so. So there's been like a little shift in our branding. Uh, yeah. He's been behind that. No, I think. But I think that's perfect. Then it's easy if you go, hey. We got, we got four graphics people. Well, if it's a volunteer run thing, you need as many volunteers as possible to make sure that I feel bad for Nick a lot of times because my, uh, my little buddy there sometimes gets every, I dump everything to him. He's on media. Media and marketing is everything we do. Everything we do has to be marketed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I try not to overload any one person or any one group if I don't have to. Nick is probably laughing right now because he's like, yes, you do. Every day you overload me. But um, but I think that's that's you just have to bring people in and find out what they do and engage them in meetings right away. Even if it's I want you to be a guest at our board of directors meeting and just listen in, share your thoughts and then let's talk afterwards and let me know what you think and how you think you might be able to help. And um Volunteer management is, is a huge part of it. If you have, if you're lucky enough to have a, you know, a decent group of, of staff, I think it's sometimes you just got to sit back and quarterback. Yeah, no, I think that's um, definitely uh, probably the answer I was looking for. Um, well, he's not going to sue me yet anyway. <laughs> um, I think what you say about um, following up is the most important thing. Um, you know, people can say that they're interested and then, maybe you don't follow up with them and, and then they lose interest because that communication didn't, didn't continue. Um, so I, that's probably the most important part is like if 
people express interest and then following up and asking what their thoughts were and, and uh, going from there is a really good idea. Um, also nailing down skill sets, you know, Ethan came aboard. He's like, I can do graphics. I was like, sweet. I can't. So you can do that. And I'm happy to post them. Um, but you know, you also said uh, marketing media, very big parts of it. Um, in normal years. Yes. When COVID's going on and there's no matches to be played or, events to be had then even more so it's just such a, a weird time to to build a club or a movement when you can't actually get people involved with it directly in the flesh well i think you guys you guys did something you you'd sent out a membership a membership survey you posted and that's similar to something that we did uh before we officially launched the club that was one of the first things. That's actually how we ended up with the name DeKalb County United. And I don't remember if I've talked about this on one of the podcasts I might have early on, but um, we sent a survey. It wasn't, it wasn't membership specific like yours was necessarily, but it was like, Hey, if there was a group that wanted to bring a semi-pro soccer club to DeKalb, where would you want to see us play? What, you know, what would you pay for tickets? What time would you like games? What would you call the club? yada 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 I don't know it was a kind of a lengthy survey but it drove us to the name DeKalb County United because even though that wasn't even really the name we liked um, that was of the 12 options we wrote in the Google form that had like 62 percent of the votes or something so we immediately said well the community told us this is what they wanted it to be and you've kind of taken a similar approach where it's like Let's throw a dart out and see if, see if people fill this out. How, have you had a good response to your survey in terms of yeah. numbers? Yeah, I mean, it's been decent. So the survey has been out for about a month or so now. We've had 35 responses online and a couple in paper form. Um, so it's been decent. Uh, so, I'd say 70% are coming from Eau Claire, though. So that, that's reassuring that people from within the community are responding. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you, as you build your, as you build your financial end of it, since that's what we're sort of talking about, what is your, um, what do you, I mean, have you put pen to paper on what your costs would be to play, whether it's in the same league again for one more year, or if you wanted to go to another league, have you, have you run those numbers on those things? Uh, we've started to, but I think we're still waiting on some correspondence from, the league president from the league we played in this past year. Our goal is to, to stick with uh, the league we were in this year, at least for one more year while we develop the financial side of it, while we develop a more robust player pool so we can gear up to be more competitive in a higher division should we want to go that route. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've started the, the process of, like, figuring out how much it's going to cost to play in the league um, and, and, and all that all those details. How did you fund it for the last couple of years? Um, so through uh, last year in 2019, I couldn't really tell you. We, we did have uh, uh, players pay a fee. Um, so that, that, was a, that contributed to a big portion of, of our revenue. Uh, I think our, our shirts were provided by a local restaurant as well, which was pretty cool of them. Um, but then uh, this past year, we had players pay a fee again, and I think we're going to 
we're, we're intending on continuing that into 2021 as well. Um, because the, I'd say that makes up about half of our revenue is players contributing. Uh, the other half is going to come from sponsors. So when you, um, this is where I get devil's advocate, right? What are the players, you're training a couple times a week, so you guys have a coach? Or do you older, you're, you're still playing, I think, right? Well, uh, I, I've kind of dropped out, uh, especially over this past year. I, I played a little bit, maybe got involved in 10 minutes, 15 minutes of matches, but would mostly just marshal the sideline. Uh, we don't have an official coach, but over the last three uh, postseason friendlies, I was in charge of uh, setting the team and, and uh, I don't know, just sending them out there. So have you had a, have you chatted with your, you've got a, it sounds like you've got a core group of players probably of 20, 30, 40 guys probably that have you sat down virtually at least and said, Hey, you guys are a big part of this club. We're just scratching the surface on where we want to go with it. And we want to get your opinion on some things such as, would you prefer to see more coaching? Would you prefer more practice opportunities? Would you prefer, obviously you prefer not to pay, but um, to do like what, what you want costs more money and are you willing to help kick in a little bit to contribute to it? And do you players know, do your parents work for a company that might be able to sponsor us? Would they, would, do you, you know, is there somebody out there that would, could raise us the money to buy a set of training balls and you could line item all your expenses and then go find a sponsor for each one to kind of help kick out that way. But your player pool, what's your player pool? 30 guys. Am I close? Uh, I think uh, 28 right now. Very close. Okay, so, tw so 28, did any of those 28 fill out your survey? Couldn't tell you. Okay. So there, that could double your survey numbers just by saying, guys, I need all of you to fill this out or have one of your parents or your girlfriend or your cousin do it. And use, let the players be in on the ground floor of like, hey, we, here's our mission, right? We wanna do more good things with the community. We want you guys to help us host camps. We want we wanna do some youth nights with some of the youth clubs in, in town. Um, but we need you to be involved with some of these things so that we can raise more money so that we can do more things and it just, you know, kind of get them on, on your, on your little army of, of workers. And Nick's probably, again, probably laughing because that's something that we've had moderate success with, I think, um, in that we have a core group of players that does everything we ask them and we have others that don't. And they, a lot, a lot of them don't live in town. A lot of them, you know, might travel an hour and 15 minutes to come train. Um, so that's something that we're still dealing with, but you guys being a little bit newer and, and maybe a little bit more, everybody's a little closer and more local. Maybe it's worth a chat to your, to the team itself and say, listen, you know, we want to get to the next level, whatever that is, whatever you decide that might be, but, and certainly winning the league is always, we all want pro rel and everybody wants to win on merit. Well, you've won on merit but you're financially probably not ready to go to the next step, which is again, that something is, Nick always brings up that America is not ready for pro rel. So I think you're in a perfect spot to say, listen, if this was anywhere else, we'd be getting asked to move up 
and we can't afford it. And we need to start building a club structure that would support the next level. And, and maybe you have three guys that step up and go, yeah, yeah, let me help. Hey, my uncle owns a barbershop or what, whatever, you know. Um, but it could open up some doors and then all they got to do is make the intro and then you guys got to go in and sell it. No, I think that's a very good, a uh, very good point. And, and to that point, um, our primary shirt sponsor for last year, and I think we're going to re up with them for next year as well. Uh, one of our goalkeepers, his grandma owns a, I want to say it's a construction or some sort of handiwork business. Um, but they were, they were our shirt sponsor for last year. And, and, um, uh, having them on board was, was a huge help to us, you know, financially, but also we helped them by promoting their company as well. You know, and, uh, you touched on it with, uh, the local media, with the newspapers, you know, the leader telegram up here in Eau Claire has been fantastic in covering us, um, putting us on the front page of their sports section every now and again, when we won the league or just covering a random story throughout the week. Uh, so their brand has been pretty prominently featured in the paper as well as us. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding, finding those companies to kind of go in on, on that with us is definitely going to be important for the future, but um, getting players, getting our players our, and our player pool to respond and then share, that's really been the name of the game. And it's been, like you say, with, with you guys, a uh, moderate success. Some people do it, some people don't. Um, I told a line between uh, coming off as demanding and forcing something versus just kind of letting it happen, going with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, you also, uh, I'd say that, or there's a proper segue now into like the growth aspect. You know, you say we want on merit, we did. Um, we want to stick with Lapasso for at least one more season uh, to kind of take stock of where we're at and and uh, make sure we're in a good enough position to move forward. But I wanted to talk about growth and leagues that are out there. You know, obviously there's the MPSL, there's UPSL for semi-pro, and then there's the new one, the one that you guys are in, the the Midwest Premier League. Um, and that's something that's been on my radar at least for the last – five six months or so well that's good to hear <laughs> so yeah yeah i guess i'm just curious like what what's it all about how, how uh, did it come about so we we played in the upsl when we started um we were actually uh we were actually looking at the premier league of america which was about a little i don't know what there was 11 teams maybe and they became right before like that fall when we were getting ready to go in eight 18, 17, at the end of 17, they were, um, they decided to become the UPSL Midwest conference, basically. So we, we followed the leader because the, the local teams around us were playing in this UPSL. So UPSL was fine. They had, it was cheap fees. And, um, um, so we did that for a couple of years. There was some um, scheduling things and some communication, just, you know, I don't want, I don't want to badmouth anybody, just a different, a different, um, a different mission, I think, than yeah, a lot of the clubs philosophy. in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. Um, and the root of it was this isn't working for us and NPSL, um, NPSL is substantially more 
money. Mm -hmm. um, so that wasn't an option because I don't want to pay that much money to play in a league. Um, so a bunch of us clubs in the Midwest just kind of were like, you know, I think we need to do something better here and look out for ourselves instead of just looking out for expansion fees and let's make sure we have a national tournament. All like I, Nick and I are on the same page with this. Like, I don't think an amateur team should ever travel more than four hours. That, that should never have to, if you choose, right. Hey, I want to go play a friendly in, in uh, Boca Raton. That's great for you. I'm glad your club can afford it, but you should never through your league operations or whatever. You should never have to go play a game that imposes because as you can see, anybody at this level, is struggling everybody's struggling financially and the the twitter the twitter clicks and all that stuff because you went and played a friendly someplace great but if it costs you two thousand dollars to do it did your players actually gain anything by playing a different team of amateurs no they didn't so i think it's all part of the um education of the the fan base and I don't know. I, for us, we just decided that, hey, let's just take control of this conference and this Midwest region, and let's just take care of each other. Because at the end of the day, my club, without all the clubs around us, if every other team in the Midwest Premier League left, and it's just us left, we're not going to be here either. So the league, as, as we've evolved here, and of course we didn't get to play in, in 20, um, which was a decision that all clubs had a say in when we made that decision. It was like, well, we're going to look out for each other. We share, um, we kind of share like a best practice. Um, every meeting that we have, I try to throw something on the agenda and say, Hey, this is, uh, this is what I use for shipping. It's a free service. You got to pay the shipping, but you don't pay whatever. So we share best practices on, merchandise vendors we share best practices on you know whatever we we try to collaborate um some do more than others but at least as a league i always try to throw something in for everybody because i want to bring everybody up and i want as much as we can't stand dubuque i want dubuque to be around for 100 years so we can beat on them for 100 <laughs> years so i mean that's a great answer honestly yeah it's we're nothing without them that's the, the fact is clubs at this level, it's, it's going to be easier for us to develop teams that are strong and can function long-term. It's like any other business, customer acquisition costs more than keeping a customer. It's always easier to keep a customer than it is to go find a new one. So why would we ever want to like, well, okay, well that club disappeared, but you know what, we'll go get somebody else. Well, now we got to get somebody else into the routine and how we work and how we work together and, how we schedule all this, like, we're just, we're just going to take care of ourselves. And, and if there's clubs like yourself, we've, we've had a lot of clubs reach out, you know, and just kind of generally want to talk to us about it. And if it's a good fit for you, perfect. But if it's not, that's okay too. We're not in it right. for expansion fees. We're not in it. Like that's, that's just not the point. You know what I mean? It's like, that yeah, like it's just of, a very different mindset than, than I think a lot of the other leagues of various levels in the country. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that kind of goes back to the whole we're not trying to force growth. We want it to happen organically, want it to occur naturally. Um, being in the Midwest Premier League would be, a, I think, a great opportunity for us, but then we would also be the furthest north club. And, I mean, our closest travel would probably be about four hours. Right. Yeah, and, and as, that's, as, a, that's as part of like it. Dubuque or DeKalb. Yeah, that's part of the challenges, right? Everybody, everybody talks like, well, what do you want to grow into? Well, I don't know. And I'll tell you why. If you guys wanted to come at some point down the road, and we're talking hypothetically here, Mm -hmm. I would say, well, that's fine. Who else around you should we get? Now, when the Michigan group joined us, when we started, there was six of us in Illinois and Iowa. And then a number of teams from Michigan said, hey, listen, we've got a group of teams that would all like to come. And we did that. And I think when you start getting in regions where you're a little farther away, I don't think it's fair that you travel down to play five teams in Illinois or, or Iowa. Like that's, that's a hike. I, I think it's hard for you to sustain when now you're, you know, renting buses and probably buying the guys a sandwich on the way home and packing a cooler, Gatorade, all those little things add up. Um, so I think that's where you just get to the point where, you figure out what makes sense. I don't know if in your case, if the UPSL is a, I don't know what the geography of the UPSL is. I don't really keep track anymore, but um, you know, I know that they had a strong kind of a Minnesota group of teams around Minneapolis and stuff. Um, I'm not, I, I, to me, it's all about what's best for your club. And if, if it doesn't make sense to do one thing versus the other, I'm never going to be upset if somebody chooses something else if they feel that's the best thing the the scary thing about u.s soccer is you are committed to every league on a one-year deal baby and you try it it doesn't work you try something else i mean it is such a just a toss-up of craziness that you just have to do you know i think you guys are in a great spot from the outside looking and i think you're in a great spot you're starting to lay the groundwork for something bigger but you've, you've, you've hit it on the field already. You know what I mean? You're winning the league. Yes, tremendous. So your, own, your focus now is really off the field. Now, how do we strengthen the, the club itself as, a, as an organization with staff and money and all the things that come with it and continue to define what you are within your community so that businesses want to be a part of it. And I think I think you guys are certainly well on your way to to being ready for that next step at whatever point you feel that you can take on that financial burden. No, definitely. Yeah, I have a thing here. Sorry. So the best, if you you can win the league for the next, whatever league you're in, whether it's this league, whether it's in the Midwest Premier, whatever it is, um, you can have the best players. Those players are around for two, three, five, if you're lucky, 10 years, right? Um, but you build your crowd, you build your fan base from 50 to 100 to 150. They're there for 10, 15, 20 years if you do it right. And they're the ones that keep you going. The, the players, the trophy cabinet is great. But if you, th- if you think your on-field product is too good for the league you're in, it's not on me to say whether you're right or wrong, but you may be well advised to look at walking before you run and getting 
another 50, 50 guaranteed seats in the bleachers before you think about growing out of your league. And I don't know what your crowd attendance is. It's none of my business, but I think there's a, I, I'm thinking of one club in particular right now that I've got a kind of beef with who have ideas above their station and are always focusing on the next step, the next step, and how can they be bigger and better and more proficient. But year after year, they keep on falling down because their attitude, from my perspective, their attitude is wrong. They need to be thinking, how do I, how can I guarantee 200, 400 season ticket sales? Never mind the walk-ups. How can I guarantee that come kick-off on the first game, first match of the season, I know I've got 500 tickets already sold. Whether they turn up or not, I don't care. But if I've sold 500 season tickets, great. Okay, so next season I need to sell 600 or 700 or whatever. But that's how you grow your club. That's how you stay around a long time. The trophy cabinet means nothing. Absolutely well, nothing. Well, and we, we can say that, Nick, because we don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, got nothing for in either. But I think that's, I think you're right though, because at the end of the day, everything you're trying to do comes back to, at least everything we're trying to do comes back to people experiencing our club. And that means people have to show up. And if people show up, the sponsorship revenue comes because you're putting their logo in front of people. And if, um, it, for, for us and Nick and I've talked about this a lot, it's all about making the membership something that people value, making the club something that they value. If in the short term, it's a personal connection to a specific player, so be it. There, there, there'll be a line of heroes coming along if we, can, if we can sustain. Those players, there'll always be a new superstar winger or center back or goalkeeper, whatever, that inspires some kid. But we need people to be there to experience the club and take pride in the club. And then I think all the sponsorship revenue and the, I mean, then if you're doing a camp and Nick's, Nick's at our match and says, hey, kids, don't forget to sign up over at the such and such table for our goalkeeper camp happening this Thursday night. And there's, if there's 300 kids there to hear that, that's a lot better than social media with parents and things. I mean, there's putting butts in seats and then players want to play in front of fans that's that's the dream right i want to play in front of a thousand yeah. people at night so get a thousand people there and then when you go talk to sponsors and, and ask for support and ask for these things first of all your ticket revenue then will pay for what you need and your community is actually guiding you through the process because they're showing up and paying five bucks or buying a membership for 50 bucks and they're doing it year after year after year then you can afford to go play in whatever league you want because you've got the crowd and you're going to be a bully in that league because people are going to want to play in front of a bunch of people. People are going to want to come play at your stadium. Definitely. Uh, and I think that, I mean, that's the, that's the key point is getting people, uh, getting the community involved. That's what we keep coming back to. And sponsors sign up because of numbers, right? Sponsors, right, sponsors right. Come, if you, if you can guarantee 400 people seeing my brand every other week, I'm way more impressed by that than, well, we won the Midwest Premier League four times in the run. All right, so you were playing against who? Who's going to see my brand? It doesn't matter. Right, and I guess it also doesn't really matter, like, oh, I'm going to go play in Dubuque, I'm going to go play in no. Missouri or Michigan. Like, 
that doesn't matter back home for the brand because awesome. the people elsewhere are not going to be shopping or, or working with that company. Um, now, uh, we don't really have much of a, of a, I want to say a fan base. We, we do and we don't. Obviously, we couldn't really have many people out to our matches in this past year. Um, we did have one home match during the season, which probably saw about 75 to 100 people. And I, I want to say that they were pretty respectfully distanced and uh, um, pretty um, up to snuff on what we were asking of them to, to keep everybody safe. But, um, but the goal should be much higher than that. And hopefully next year when that rolls around, we have emerged from the pandemic and we can have people comfortably come and sit down and watch the match and, and take part in, in the experience. Again, going back to what John said about, we want this to be an experience for the community more than it's anything else. So engaging people to do that is the first, second and third goal of our club and finding ways to do that responsibly is, you know, is important. Um, so promoting the area's youth players into the team and giving families a, a reason to come watch the, come watch the team um, or, or whether it's something else. I don't really know. We, I'm not sure if we've discussed uh, that far yet, but um, you both have talked about uh, season ticket holders or just season tickets. You know, we as a club have, talked about and probably more or less decided that we don't want to charge uh, people to attend the matches. Uh, what, what would be your stance on that? We didn't have a choice. Well, here's a couple things. Um, we have a very, we play at NIU, a first division or a, a D1 um, men's program, women's program right here in town. We play at their facility. It is our home. It's been our home since the inception. I live, you're going to laugh. I live very close to the head coach of the men's team. Um, I live close to everybody. And um, we have a great relationship. That Division One program doesn't charge money to come to their games, and they don't draw very well. So part of the thing in when we went into the community early on, I always used the term semi-pro, and quite honestly, my my opinions on the matter have changed, but to me, if I'm an, if I don't know anything about sports and you say semi-pro, I think, well, that's higher level than amateur. And I take it a little bit more seriously from a business standpoint, because it's not an amateur soccer team. It's a semi-pro team. Now, obviously we are a strictly amateur team, but we were selling that we were something bigger. And I believe we are in a lot of ways. But we were educating the market. The market was our community. We're educating them on who we are, what we are, why we're different, why we're going to work, all those things. And that's right where you're at. And we said, hey, we're going to charge five bucks to come to games for a walk-up ticket. And five bucks is pretty cheap. And it's certainly a lot better than going to downtown Chicago to watch the Chicago Fire and fight in traffic and everything else. And that was pretty like we feel that we're worth that we think our players work hard they train two days a week for the chance to be selected for the chance to be selected for the starting lineup right like these guys are busting their tails for you we think they're worth five bucks that had to come watch them play and um people thought we were 
people thought we were a little low, even at that. But if there's value in it, then it's worth a couple of dollars. And everybody understood it as we educated people. They understood that we have to we have to rent this field. Our field costs us a pretty good amount of money to play a game there, plus referees. That doesn't just happen for no reason. You know, we need memberships and we need you to go over there and buy a t-shirt from the merch table and you got to pay five bucks to come in. And it's a professional, more professional experience. And that's, again, it's all educating the people around you. If you can afford to do it for free, that's fine. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it if you can afford to do it. I think that we wanted to set ourselves above just a Sunday league or whatever, because we really wanted, we wanted the newspaper to take us seriously. We wanted everybody to take us seriously that we are, we are a almost professional team. We just don't pay anybody, you know? And, and I think it, for us, it worked and, and we drew more fans that the NIU staff has told me like, Hey, we, we never had, you know, very rarely did we ever have crowds like this and not that we had thousands, you know, if we had, Two, three, four, five hundred, that was great. But it was still the fact that people were actually paying to come watch soccer there when they gave away free soccer there and people don't go. Because you don't if it's free, what's what's it worth if you miss it? Well it didn't cost right. anything. I'll skip I'll skip this game. Right. There's but no if you risk. Paid in advance. You paid in advance. Giddy up. Now here we go. Or hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my friend. I got a season ticket, but my buddy doesn't. Well, it's five bucks. And I don't know if your facility allows, you know, trafficking of people and, and things where you can control the gate, but I don't think there's a thing wrong with it, especially, Hey, it's 20 bucks for your family to come watch a game of high level soccer. If that's what you're giving them, I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable. And your community will tell you your community will, will they'll tell you, Hey, I think I don't want to pay to come watch this game. Or they'll show up by the hundreds and you'll go, wow, we just made $600 tonight. That paid for the field and the referees or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that, those are all very valid points. Um, instead of, you know, finding a sponsor who's going to say or who's going to like take care of like our field rentals or our referee fees or all that fun game day operation cost, um, having people pay to get in sort of props up the club a little bit and gives us that little bit of a, of a backing, you know, it allows us then to put on a, a good match day experience. Cause we have funding coming in from the community that can allow for that. I think so, as well, Jeff, ways, you're, you're running a sort of a utopian dream at the moment, right? That you want to be this one thing for the whole community of, of goodness. And it comes from, you know, you alluded to right at the beginning about your, your involvement in nonprofits and community events and whatnot, and it's laudable. But at the end of the day, you are providing a service. It's very cold, but you are providing a service, and you are perfectly within your rights to charge for that service. Right? It's not about making money so that we can all do this on the beach in the Bahamas. It's about, as you said, sustainability. It's about what we say week on, week out. It's like every decision you make isn't about about today or tomorrow it's about what will the club still be here at this time next year right and charge, right. charging money as long as you're not pricing yourself out of the market 
and you know you know your market better than us but charging money goes a long way to guaranteeing your long-term success whereas offering as a freebie places no value on you what you're doing it it it's i as a as a potential customer it makes no difference to me whether i come or go and clearly it makes no difference to you whether i come or go right my money doesn't actually matter to you if you're not if i if you're not charging me for it so i might come i might not i'll see you know if it's not if it's raining and all of a sudden you've only got the real real hardcore whereas if you're getting people to commit ahead of time they're invested in it no that's yeah, um, it is, it's also very hard josh to go you, you, you got to figure out when and how i mean if you haven't been charging at some point you gotta go hey we're gonna start charging and there has to be some you know moment there of here's why we're going to start charging because we're going to the next level or we're doing something but but i think that's like if you if you try to go hey we're going to join the upsl but we're not going to charge any money and then we look at each other at the end of the year and you go man we had thousand people come through the gate that five grand would have made a big difference for us at the end of the year otherwise we can't be back next year i, I think i think i think there's it's a good discussion to have with your group but certainly if you take yourself seriously and you think you're worth something then as nick said it's a service and charge for it it doesn't have to be a lot it could be two dollars yeah but definitely you're you're putting value on your product that you're not just you want to go watch a game go out to the park and watch a game but if you want to watch us because we're the best it costs you two or three or five dollars no i, I don't raise your, and don't raise your prices to 10 when you play your your rivals like some people did to us when we went as a wave fans and got <laughs> got you know what I'm talking about now. No, I got, couldn't comment. Uh, no that is yeah. that is absurd. Um, I don't think we would ever. I mean, considering that we weren't even thinking about charging in the first place, that that is <laughs> one thing. But but uh, definitely, I would I would feel that that's uh, morally objectionable. Well, in in uh, their defense, it is it is standard kind of, yeah standard practice back home in England and probably in the rest of Europe, right? Is that if Man United are coming to visit, you charge their fans, I don't know, 40 bucks, 40 quid. Whereas if it's Southampton, you probably only charge them 30. If it's Burnley, you probably only charge them 20. They call it category A, category B, category C and claim it's about policing, but it isn't. It's just, well, we can charge what we want because we're guaranteed, Man United are guaranteed to bring, you know, 5,000 fans no matter what we charge. So why don't we try and fleece them for it? And my club, my club does it at home in a, in a, Pre-season friendly every year we host Liverpool, all right. And probably you probably get six regular Tranmere fans that go. The rest of it, the rest of the ground, the seventeen thousand is all Liverpool fans. But a regular home ticket is twenty quid. The Liverpool pre-season when it's just kids, they charge thirty. So Crazy. it's it's standard business practice. It's not you know as abhorrent as it seems morally. Why wouldn't you? Fair enough. But um, so yeah, we are we are looking at a possible venue shift for next year that allows us to sort of police the gate, so to speak. Um, in which case, if we do that, then it it would make sense, right, to to charge admission, whether it's you know two dollars, five dollars, probably no more than five dollars. Um, but also wanted to get your thoughts on, say, we were to include that in a membership at all levels. So starting with the most basic membership. Um, going through maybe like the third tier where you like you get the kit and everything um but um 
allowing or not allowing, but uh, putting a season ticket membership uh, option into those packages just to either, you know, inflate the value a little bit of, of the membership, but also um, um, then kind of uh, encourage people to buy memberships because they get that season ticket included uh, in the package. What are your thoughts on that? Do it. Absolutely. I, I think the more you can pre-sell a, a thousand percent every time, I, if everybody in the community would buy one of those, you're good to go. And I think that's the trick is make it make like anything, make it a value of, um, make it a value of, uh, it's better than buying them. If they're five at the gate, if you do it through the package, it, is, it comes out to like three bucks or whatever. Um, yeah, and, definitely. And yeah. Just, yes. Sell. You want, you want people to have no excuse not to come. And if they've already bought them, they're going to show their, you know, the likelihoods are going to show up to at least as many as they can. You know, there's also the point that you, um, I, I think you spoke on this in the first episode about um, when you had scarves for, uh, for members and um, you didn't ship them out. Uh, so you avoided the costs on shipping there, but you encouraged everybody to pick up their individual scarf at the first home match. That's something I've been telling the guys since I've listened to that episode. It's such a good idea because it, as you keep saying, it puts the butts in the seats. That's what's the most important part about this whole thing. So um, it kind of goes hand in hand then with like having a season ticket option and mm -hmm. encouraging them to then come to the match so that they can pick up their merch versus mm -hmm. paying shipping, paying, you know, five bucks shipping for every individual item, which could be a lot. It all adds up. And then at the end of the day, yeah, you, you don't want to sell, you don't want to sell a membership that you make $3 on it. Right. Like right. you don't want to, Hey, you get a scarf and a Jersey and, a sticker and a lanyard and a mask and all this stuff. And you go, Oh, we spent 48 out of the 50 bucks. That's, that's not getting you anywhere. And, and I think you're in the, you're in the great white North where a scarf might be more attractive. Nobody wears scarves here. The diehards wear scarves, like seven of us. So like, just be cognizant of, of while you want to get the branding out there and stuff, find, find ways to get it where people actually see it. And I think, being able to host events again will help, but um, don't, don't, if you can sell the mission of what you're building, people will pay for that to support the mission. You don't necessarily have to give them stuff to compensate. Build a strong mission that people can get behind the cause and then kick them, kick them a little bit of swag, but it doesn't have to be, $50 worth for your $50 membership. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, and that's something we've uh, talked about internally as well. It's like, well, we don't have to give them this, this, and this. We can give them this one thing. Also, maybe a season ticket or voting rights or what have you. Those don't necessarily have a, um, a value assigned to them. But at the end of the day, so maybe we're only paying for the scarf and a couple stickers. And that's, say, $30 of cost. We're selling that for $50. They get the other things as well, but there's no, like I said, there's no value attached to it. So we're at the end of the day, making $20 on every membership. Um, that seems to be the move. That's something that we've uh, 
that we've had at least some advanced discussions on. So, you know, hearing your feedback on that definitely uh, helps my mindset a lot. And we had a, we, in our first year too, we had a basic, we had a $20 basic membership that didn't even come with season tickets. It was just like, Hey, support the cause. It's 20 bucks. And you still get the voting rights. You still get to be a part of decision-making, whatever, but it was, that was it. You don't get swag. You don't get tickets. And, and I think if you continue to build your brand, you'll get people across the country that'll support what you're doing. Maybe not a thousand people, but you might get five or 10 or 15 people that go, Hey, yeah, I'll do it. And then maybe you donate some tickets to a youth club for every one of those people or whatever that there's a lot of ways to do it. And I think we're learning in our third or fourth year, we're learning things and trying different things. And um, sometimes I get confused just because we've tried different things every year, but we're trying to see what works. We're trying to see what sticks what people tell me they get behind and what they like. And we're letting the community dictate where we go. It all comes back to that. It's all, all comes back to the community. Um, and if you don't know, just ask them and let somebody tell right. you. You're able to get, you know, a couple hundred people out to each home match and that's a concerted community effort. So once the pandemic is in the rearview mirror and we can move on and have people uh, coming out to matches again, what do you think or or how do you think is the best way to actually get people to matches outside of like the memberships outside of having community events? Like how do we actually promote that? Well, I think, I think it starts. um, I think, I think your marketing presence is good. Be strong on social media. Um, And and I, I think the, the last podcast uh, we put out was with Fred and, um, we talked about it. it's a lot of boots on the ground. It's a lot of, it's a lot of taking meetings, not just from a sponsorship level, but connecting with, you got to go connect with people and right. you can, you can do all the little tricks of like, Hey, we're going to host youth club night. And if you wear your Jersey, you get in, you can come up with theme nights. You can do all that stuff. But once you get them in the gate, they got to have a good time. They got to have Absolutely. fun. They got to enjoy it. So they go, they go tell a friend. And that's going to help it double and, and on and on it'll go. But um, there's no magic button to it. You, I think you got you to gotta press every button and say, I need your help. I need you to bring 10 people. I need you to bring three people. I need you to go find five friends. You got you to gotta go through your phone and text everybody you know. You got to call in every favor. And you got you to gotta go for it in every different way to try to get people excited about it and you know, run some stories in the paper. You got to do some radio stuff. If you got a radio station, you got to try everything. You're, you're, you're starting a business from zero. So what would you do if you were starting a business from zero and had to hustle to sell your product? You just got to have conversations. Yeah. You got to, you got to go, you got to go, you got to talk to every potential customer. And in your community, every person is a customer and you just want to serve it them service them as best you can to get them in and excited and it's mostly frustrating that the large majority of people won't care one thousandth of how much you care about it but can you get them to care enough to to show up to two or three games a year yeah i think that's and and good luck figuring that out (laughs) yeah you know, it's uh, definitely a case-by-case basis, for, I think, for, for your guys, for, you know, for us, for Dubuque, for, for all the clubs that are trying to do something similar. It's uh, very much 
case by case, region by region. People are going to respond differently to different things. We just have to figure out the um, the function and the formula that works best for up here. They are, but you've also got to bear in mind, you know, we don't want a templated how to roll out a soccer club, but the fact that there's clubs in San Diego and Maine and Alaska and Hawaii and all over, right? Everyone's going through the same growing pains. Now more than ever, right? We're all facing this COVID shit. So everyone's going to, no one's going to say, this is my baby and I'm not giving you any ideas. So if you, if you just reach out and make connections, and it doesn't have to be in the Midwest, it doesn't have to be in Minnesota, it can be anywhere. But you question, question, question every single club you come across and be prepared to give them your answers as well. But the more knowledge you have, the better, the more, the better equipped your club is going to be into 2021, 2022. Um, keep us posted as, as you progress how things are going and, and let's stay connected in, uh, in how 2021 looks for you guys and I wish you all the luck in the world. Now the time has come for leaving fear now we shall return We were so glad we could make it but so sad we gotta run Well it might be a long time till we raise another glass Sure that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh.